Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means. We just got back from Ohio State's Pro Day over at Woody Hayes Athletic Center. About, uh, what was it, eight or nine guys for Ohio State going today, 10 guys going to, I think it was nine, nine guys going today. Plus, you had C.J. Stroud involved throwing to his receivers from the past year. And we're going to start there because I thought you could argue, Stephen, that nobody at this pro day, with maybe one exception, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I don't know if anybody at this pro day had as good a pro day as C.J. Stroud did in some way. He was the one with, like, nothing to lose in some ways, too. But, uh, you know, he, I think, had been around this process. He saw Justin Fields do this last year. And, you know, got to show Justin Fields got to show off a little bit and impress some people with some throws. And I think he wanted to come in today and um, took it seriously, wanted to help Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, but also uh, played a little bit loose with it, said he was nervous at first, but got used to it today. And I think knows that today was an opportunity for him, even though he had nothing to gain from it in terms of the 2022 NFL draft. He, he definitely let it slip. He, he said something along the lines of, you know, when I'm doing this next year or, or you know, whenever I do it, but come on. Yeah. Come on, CJ. Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I think there's a, there's a case to be made that this was a, the guy who had, the, you know, the lowest stakes of the day in some ways, but also could really help himself by impressing NFL teams. And I didn't go around and canvas the room, but, you know, he was having a lot of conversations and was uh, making a lot of throws and probably helped himself today. You can make a case that C.J. Stroud was the most important person in the Woody today. The way if you were an NFL scout, GM, coach, if you were here as representing an NFL team, if you walked by C.J. Stroud, you were going to go say hi. It didn't matter if that was the 45th time you'd walk by him today. The C.J. Stroud number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft campaign is on and popping. Um, he's been, he went up to the combine. He Jackson pairs a lot of the, you know, the 
bigger names on the team went up to the combine to watch and also got to participate in some of the symposium stuff that happens at the combine. Since, you know, it's like one of the bigger NFL events in terms of just not just a combine, but just that's everybody's together in a way that that's not necessarily happening all the time. He was at the Super Bowl with Justin Fields and his he's um, signed to David uh, Muliageta. I think is how you say his last name. Um, he's representing him for NIL. And I asked him about that a little bit. He's that's going to be his agent whenever he decides to come out for the NFL as well. Um, so, yeah, it's he had nothing to lose and everything to gain. It was all in all. People got to see a quick preview of what he's going to be going through a year from now when it's actually his pro day and some of the stuff that they were adding off the script at the end of the, his throwing session, some of the rollout stuff, the stuff you usually see that ends up on Twitter. It's like, oh, look how great his arm is. He's the number one pick now. He got to do some of that stuff. Well, he's going to do that four or five more times next year. So with Justin Fields, it was all a little bit more scripted out because he was mm-hmm. a quarterback trying to impress people for that coming draft. And today, the script that they did, and it seemed like a pretty limited one because Chris Live and Garrett Wilson had done all of this at the Combine already. So today was just a chance to do it with a quarterback that you're more familiar with, as opposed to a guy you are meeting like in the tunnel before you go out there to throw to him or whatever. So the script was different. When I talked to Stroud, he said that they really had only prepared a couple of routes or at least like the big routes. Obviously they had done all this in practice hundreds of times over the past couple of years, but you're right. Like it was there at the end that he was having a little bit more fun where they let him do just the the more freelance stuff and i again i maybe there's something in there that it helps uh garrett wilson and, she, and chris Olave too they were throwing some some deep balls and you could see you know they want to show off their ability to track those and uh you know how quickly they can get downfield all that stuff but the, clearly there's something there too that uh is showcasing cj stroud yeah i think the only place it really helped the wide receivers because they're both first rounders like Garrett might be the first one off the board. We'll see. Um, and Garrett pointed out he didn't really like the performance he had at in, in Indy. Um, his exact quote was, I was a little slop, sloppy and nervous in Indy. I was doing some uncharacteristic things going through drills. I wanted to show what I could really bring to the table and what I could do route running rise. And he went off this. The part of the reason was you kind of hinted at it. I mean, you've never thrown with these quarterbacks before it's just kind of a rotation of quarterbacks a rotation in line and whoever that's who who you get so it's you're trying to showcase your athleticism while with quarterback wide receiver relationships that chemistry has to be there and it's not there in indianapolis while here i mean they've been working with cj for two years right even behind even when cj wasn't the starting quarterback just behind the scenes stuff when they would just go throw on their own and so his for him today was more just having a more crisp day as a route runner, but also showing this is what it looks like when I have chemistry with a quarterback. And that's important for a guy who might be a top 10 pick that you're expecting to be your wide receiver one from day one. What happens when you build that relationship? Well, you get some of the stuff that's been twinkling out on you know Twitter all day. Well, Doug and I were talking about this at the combine a little bit, too, about just how sanitized everything is and how everything is is done in a little bit of a bubble. And that factor, mm-hmm. that quality also obviously exists, maybe even more so at Pro Day, because, again, it's your facility. It's your quarterback. In this case, it, a lot of things in your favor, like even today when we were just watching some of the early drills, um, somebody said, uh, well, it's kind of stuffy in here. They should open up one of these doors. I'm like, no, like they want to control the conditions. Like they're not going to mm-hmm. let a crosswind come through here while even if a slight breeze while somebody's trying to run their 40. Like they don't every tick counts, man. And they they want it to be a controlled environment. And I've, I 
as it relates to the receivers, I sort of had, had wondered about that. Like, does because you you don't want to run a great route and then the guy throws a bad ball and if a scout isn't uh, perceptive enough to understand that you ran the right route and the guy just threw a bad ball or whatever, then maybe it, it doesn't look good for you. Even if it doesn't look bad for you, it doesn't look good for you. But at the same time, I think that there are opportunities. I thought there were even a couple of throws like this for Garrett Wilson at the combine where the guy doesn't make a good throw and you still make the catch. And, you know, some of these guys at the combine are going to be backups in the NFL and sometimes guys get hurt and sometimes backups have to win you games. I don't know. I just, I feel like sometimes I, I would take the challenge if I was him and say like, okay, you're going to put me up there with, you know, some uh, second level guy who probably mm-hmm. doesn't really have a chance in this league. Um, go ahead, let him spray the ball all over the place. I'll still find a way to get a hand on it, no matter how bad the throw is. It seems like Garrett had to be freaky at the combine from the way you guys are talking. And he didn't have to do that. I think he had one catch today where he had to show he's Garrett Wilson. And it was like a sideline catch where I think that was the purpose of the throw to show, you know, Garrett's, you know, his catch range. So they kind of put it low and put it in a place where his toes are literally the only thing that are still in bounds while the rest of him is out of bounds. But yeah, that's more. It seems like that's more what the combine is. Like, can you make the best of a certain situation? Can a wide receiver make a quarterback look great while the pro days are more? Can everybody make everybody look great? A lot of guys were catching passes today. That was really one of the, the last things they did. Um, Chris Booker was out there. Demario McCall was out there. Master Teague was out there. We're going to talk more about Teague later on because he had a, a, a good day. There's some guys that were not affiliated with Ohio State that uh, caught passes today. Um, but clearly, I mean, and Cardell Jones was throwing to some of those guys too, we should say. But the, the, clearly the, the connection between Wilson and Olave, like from your vantage point, what did you did you see anything from the reps that Olave and Wilson were getting that should reinforce where they are in the draft status right now? Chris Olave is a really smooth route runner. And I mean, we know that we've been covering them for years, I've, you know, but I think when you see it without pads and you see it up close and personal like that. It's the subtle, subtle differences between how he runs routes and how Garrett runs route. Garrett is physical and kind of animated with every move that he makes. Like you can, you see all of his body language while with, I can't remember who was explaining it, but while with Chris Olave, it's so smooth that unless you know, you have chemistry with him the way Justin had and the way CJ started to get, you have no idea where he's going at all because he doesn't give it away at all it's just kind of a smooth it, it, that I re- it really was impressive to see that especially on those deep routes where he would run a route and Garrett run a route and it would be night and day how they would do it even though they were both pretty effective in how they did it yeah I think that's about it I think Garrett kind of speaks for himself he's a bit of a freak athlete but with Chris it's the you know you know he's a smooth route runner but just to see it up close and personal without pads and see his body language see you know his facial expressions when he's going after the ball you really appreciate it a little bit more here was the most impressive or maybe not the most impressive but the most important thing that I saw today as it related to CJ Stroud and the and this pro day and it wasn't the throws he made and it wasn't the glad handing and the, the chuckles with the NFL coaches and GMs and scouts who were there today. By the way, the four head coaches who were in attendance, I think there were only four. Ron Rivera, Lovey Smith, who had a very long conversation uh, one-on-one by himself with um, Tyreek Smith. Uh, Logan Allen, who is the head coach now of the New Orleans Saints. 
which took us a minute to remember as we were standing around yeah. there and someone told us. Like, and then of course, Mike Vrabel, the former Buckeye was there with some, some really impressive shoes. Did you get a look at his shoes? I meant to take a picture, you know, shoes. No. I should have asked you, but you weren't standing around there. They were, uh, I think they were Nike air of some kind. And they have this, they look like spaceships. They have this big, mm-hmm. like plastic rubber, whatever thing hanging off the back. That's like clear. I know what you're talking about, but I got to see the shoe. They look they looked a little yeah. bit like for people who watch Seinfeld, there was an episode of Seinfeld where George like gets these shoes are supposed to help you jump. It looked a little bit like that. The most important thing that I thought I saw from CJ Stroud today was just his demeanor. I thought back at the end of the season, like going into the Rose Bowl, I thought he was a little bit done. And this isn't just a media thing, although we're the ones who are like he's being forced to interact with. Um, and I just felt he wasn't mean. I just felt like he was, you could sense from his body language, the way he was talking. I think it was all just wearing on him a little bit. It'd been a long season. They didn't do what they wanted to do. He didn't finish as high at the Heisman final, uh, in the final voting as he wanted to. They had, they were going to the Rose bowl instead of being in the playoff. I think he just, and it'd been a long season for him specifically too. I mean, mentally, physically, the grind of it. I think he was just a little bit done. And today there was just a completely different vibe from him, I thought. And part of it might have been that, again, that he didn't have the pressure that these other guys who are in there who have one shot to impress teams enough to maybe get a free agent deal or a camp invite and maybe have a sniff at the NFL. Like he's going to the NFL someday and he's going to be a high draft pick, but it ain't this coming year. There's not the same pressure on him. But just in general, I thought he was just – he kind of embraced everybody today. I thought like he was there to just like put the whole Woody in a big hug. And I thought that was a good thing to see from him. Cause I did kind of wonder at the end of last year where he was going to go from a, a mental standpoint, not, and I, 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 I want to make sure that I'm using that term in the right way. Cause it's obviously with everything that Harry Miller's gone through right lately um, or come forward about, we've been talking about the, that word in a different way. I'm not talking about it in that way at all. I'm just talking about his, just his demeanor and um, how he was going to sort of handle what is going to be another year of constant attention, constant um, raised expectations over what was a pretty tremendous freshman or retro freshman season. And he just, to me today seemed to be a guy who is embracing that right now is, is comfortable in what he knows, he knows he was being showcased. He knows he was in the spotlight today and that he was kind of being shown off to these NFL teams and that he had to come through to help his friends and his teammates. And he seemed at ease with that and was, was jovial and joking around. And, and he's like that a lot. It's not that he's not ever like that, but you did not am I wrong? Like, you know, him a little bit better than I do. And he wasn't like that at the end of the season. Yeah. He's uh, very laid back. He's, the typical Los Angeles kid. So if you've ever met somebody from LA, the laid back personality, I'll talk to anybody. I'll hang out as long as I can. He's asking Jerry, if you, he asked Jerry, if he wanted him to do interviews today, he was 100% more than willing to sit there and do them. That's CJ 100%. I think it got to be a lot because he went, we got to remember he went from the first time he talked to the Ohio state media was on signing day back when he and Jack first early enrolled and then a lot yeah. happened. And so basically he went to a year and a half without speaking to the media at all, at all. And then all of a sudden, and then we don't get him in the spring. 
the first time we get him is the day before fall camp starts when we get him, Kyle and, and Jack, and we're not, and we all think CJ is a starting quarterback at that point, but it's not officially he's a starting quarterback. And then we don't talk to him again until the Minnesota game after the game where he was okay for the most part. And then it, so it basically goes from, Hey, welcome to campus. Hey, aren't you a starting quarterback? Hey, should you be the starting quarterback? Hey, you're probably a Heisman Trophy finalist. Hey, now we're going to talk to you every other day. Like it really went from zero to 60 with the meet, with the, the amount of interactions he had to have with the public, because you just mentioned it. He goes from on a high after the Michigan state game, where we also got a midweek for the first time all year. And then the Michigan game happens. And then you guys are in New York with him for what was it? Three days there. And so he talks every single day there and has to sit up there and watch Desmond Howard troll him on national television and then, like, he leaves that and goes to L.A. And then you guys get him again because it's all the Rose Bowl stuff. And so I, I don't I'm not going to say they did a disservice to him to him not getting him earlier. But I do think now he can feel more comfortable because it's going to be a more of a we're going to get a midweek and we're going to get him after games. And so he, you can get comfortable with what his personality is and he gets to be a little bit more comfortable in that space. And he didn't get there until the Penn state game. And by then they started ramping up the media so much that he probably got sick of it. And that, that is, that is important because we're still dealing with kids who are 18 to 23 who aren't used to having a camera in their face all the time. So he probably did just need a break from us for a little bit. And it was good for us to be able to talk with him today without recorders being on. And we could just have a conversation with another person. And he made fun of the way you guys dress. <laughs> he did. I don't think he's, did he make fun of us or did he say, well, first of all, he wasn't making fun of me. He was making fun of uh, Bill Rabinowitz. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bill Rabinowitz was very flattered that uh, when asked, how old do you think I am? He was guessing what was actually my age. Yeah. Although uh, made me feel bad that people think that uh, <laughs> 40 is this cliff that they're not going to fall off for a long time. It'll get there faster than you think. Trust me. No, and I want to make sure that people understand. Like, I'm not saying, boy, I'm glad C.J. Stroud is um, it likes doing interviews more. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm saying that I, I did I, I saw enough of a change in his personality late last season that I, I just wondered about what his demeanor was going to be towards football, towards this process he was going to have coming up in the next year. I, I really think it's it's a good sign if you're an Ohio State fan that he just had a, a different like sort of bounce in his step today and it's spring and, and again today was there was a lot of responsibility for him today but also a, a lot of fun i think for him today and it, again you, you're not competing for a job this spring you're trying to get better i sincerely believe that but he's you know he doesn't have a, a job on the line anymore he doesn't have that scrutiny anymore it's more like well now we know you're good we know you are established as a starting quarterback now you know what can you do for an encore that that will be a question he'll have to answer but i thought today was an indication maybe that he wants to answer that like he's 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 like okay Mm -hmm. that's that's just part of it let's go and it's interesting i don't think justin ever got that because his second year the world was shut down and so he never really got to take that next step and what his personality is and so it's going to be cool over this next year um the world getting to see cj stroud the human being and not just the 
the football player because he gets to dive into that now he's year two and also we can make fun of him because he's got a new helmet that looks like a motorcycle helmet we did see that with fields though i thought like going into that second year i remember him being named a captain and stuff like we started to see yeah. a little bit more of his personality he also came in under um, some unusual circumstances you know a transfer coming in in january you know expect huge expectations right off the bat for a team that had mm-hmm. great expectations of the team and then you go through and fulfill them and uh, now how do you how much more at ease does that put you in your second season we got a glimpse of it with fields before everything turned sideways with the world and i think we got a glimpse of it today with stroud and you know hopefully fingers crossed like nothing like that they get to have a very conventional now year that it plays out going into the fall and we'll we'll see if that makes any difference or not we have some other guys we want to talk about beyond just the quarterback and receivers some guys who we thought really did help themselves a little bit today more on that here on Buckeye Talk. Master Teague, I thought a big day today at Ohio State's Pro Day, a guy that did not get a combine invite. I think he was a little bit miffed by that. I asked Tony Alford, like, were you surprised you didn't get invited to the combine? And he was like, hey, I I don't know how they pick guys for that. Uh, It's, you know, it's a guy... I, we've talked so many times on this podcast about what Master Teague is and what Master Teague isn't. What Master Teague absolutely is, is a physical specimen and a powerful downhill runner. It may be a straight line runner, but he had also done some things that I thought was maybe going to be enough to get him an invite to the combine. Does it And as I sent to our textures, as I was kind of making some observations, maybe that's because NFL teams don't consider him like starting running back quality and they only see him as like a potential special teams guy or something like that. But when he's out and we didn't get official 40 times, we didn't really get official times from anybody. He said that he had overheard numbers that um, he was happy with, but he thought was in the right range. The numbers that they gave us going into the combine, they gave us a sheet that I guess was just the best numbers that they had Ohio state players had done in these various Mm -hmm. drills over the course of their careers. Master Teague's 40 time there. So I guess his best 40 time that Ohio State says that he ran. 4.35 electronic. Part of me believes it after watching him run today, because first of all, that's a very big man running that fast. OK, that 4.35 is not that's that's ridiculous. Now, um, I, just so people have yeah. some perspective on that. Yeah, the numbers that they gave us today. These are Ohio State giving us these numbers, and this is not the numbers they ran today. This is previous to that. They're they're draft eligible measurables, as Ohio State put it. Uh, Chris Olave, his electronic forty time four point three eight. So that's what they're saying. Master Teague is as fast as Chris Olave, and they're saying he's considerably faster than Garrett Wilson, who they have down at four point five one. Oh, so that's where that came from. So, so yeah. Garrett's wrong, so, mad at the yeah, wrong people yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> Garrett's saying that he's people are saying he can only run four or five because he ran four or five. That's Ohio State says it. Yeah. I assume that Ohio State isn't just guessing. I assume these aren't just like their best guesses as to what these guys would do. Um, because there's, there's everything here: bench press, pulls, squats, all sorts of other times and jumps, like broad jump stuff. Um, Master Teague went 11 in the broad jump, according to these Ohio State numbers. He went 10-11 today and was disappointed. Mm. But that 10-11 was, uh, I think the best running back broad jump at the combine was 
he helped himself today. He he looked like a guy who could go on an NFL roster today, just at pure athleticism. Master Teague would have killed it at the combine, man. He is a yeah. You use the word physical specimen. Yeah, man, that that guy's put together. The problem it's it's he's one of those guys where and it, he stars in environments like this where you're just seeing hey how athletic is a guy how fast is he how high can he jump how far can he jump which that's a whole nother question i don't understand why we do the broad jump i'm trying to figure out what part of the football game requires you to jump 10 feet to catch somebody but well i i I asked him about this i said so is it weird to you that you have to go do stuff like that and do you just part of your training do you have to like stop doing football training in order to train for these very specific events and he said I mean, it's just explosiveness. It shows your explosiveness. If you can make yeah. that burst, if your legs can catapult you like that, like what does that mean for you? Is there something that, you know, um, what, what does that mean? How can that translate to a football field? And I don't think any one of those performances, any one of these things, it's why, it's why there's plenty of times where you can look at, go back through the years at the combine and see, oh, which which guy ran the fastest 40 time there's a bunch of years where it's a guy that nobody's ever heard of and Mm -hmm. maybe he didn't even get drafted or he just didn't do anything because he was smaller and fast but he couldn't do any of the other things well enough to stay in the nfl or even maybe get to the nfl and so any one of these numbers in a vacuum doesn't usually mean a lot to me you've got to put something else with it and master teague i think i mean he's 511 to let's see they've got him 511 226 here mm-hmm. 511.2 and so he's huge and he's fast and he's got that explosiveness I, I i'm certainly not sitting here saying that i think he's going to get drafted i think that might be a stretch i could see somebody maybe taking a seventh round flyer on the guy though uh, but i think he's there's i mean could you tell me that he could go be like a a gunner on special teams in the NFL. That's a big gunner, man. That's a big gunner. I know, but he's, he's <laughs> I, but I'm but you're listening to me. Like they put Chris Olave yeah. out there for a reason because he could get down the field that fast. Master Teague, according to the numbers that Ohio State is putting out, gets down the field just as fast as Chris Olave. Yeah, I think he's locked up at bare minimum with a camp invite from somebody. He actually might get multiple teams who are interested in getting me a camp invite. He could honestly carve out a career for himself in special teams. But to the point of the explosiveness, I mean, what did Chase Young say two years ago why he wasn't doing any of that stuff? Because he's not training to be a combine player. He's trained to be a football player. So he was only going to do precision drills. This is a prime example of that because by these metrics, Master Teague's a better athlete than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And he probably is. But that it's not about who's a better athlete. It's about who's a better football player. And especially in this situation with both with all three of those players, the question you're asking is, if I put the ball in your hands, what's the chances are that it ends up in the end zone? And he's probably he's clearly third on that list with a gap between him and the other two. But, yeah, the way he performed today, I think to see a guy move the way he did, especially north and south, because that's been the thing with him is north and south. He's probably the fastest player on this team. The problem is football is not a north and south sport. Eventually, you have to go east and west, and that's where things go left. And that's why we said Travion Henderson was going to eventually be the starting running back here. But I do think these measurables makes it. I mean, he's a quality human being. I think he's done enough here that maybe somebody takes a flyer on him in the seventh round, but at bare minimum, he gets a camp invite. And maybe he, t- I mean, you know, Jonathan Cooper was a, a a seventh round pick, if I believe, if I remember correctly, and got to a camp invite and now made the team and had a pretty significant role for the Broncos this past year. Maybe Master T can do something like that. 
We also got some insight from Teague because he had the opportunity to come back. People don't maybe remember, but mm-hmm. he actually did declare early for the draft. I mean, he'd been here four years, but he had the COVID year left. Um, he, he could have come back here and been at Ohio State another year. Said he considered that, but he very clearly, and he's not a complainer. He's not one of these guys that you think of. In fact, they talk about him usually quite the opposite, that he's not you know a locker room problem kind of guy. But he was not happy with how last year went. And part of that was he got hurt midseason. He also contracted COVID last season, he said. And I don't know if that meant just that testing protocols kept him out or if he had issues with COVID that kept him out. But by then, already he was falling down the depth chart and he felt he had done enough preseason to get more of a shot than he got. So he wasn't going to come back to Ohio state. He said he did also consider transferring and going somewhere and maybe being a feature back there. And I think that would have been an intriguing option to see what he could do someplace. I mean, you can imagine like master T going to like Akron and just like, like he could run rough shot, I think over people at that level, because you um, it's not the same competition level, quite frankly. And um, he had proven himself as an effective backup for one of the best programs in the country. I think he would have been great if he had gone to, or go to middle Tennessee state where his dad played something like that, like been, been a, a dominant player, maybe at that level, or certainly a very effective one, but ultimately he decided, and I think it's probably the right call. If you're talking about your NFL draft stock, I don't think that was going to change it that much. If being second team and third team, all big 10 in back-to-back years at Ohio state, isn't going to change your draft stock and help you get to a combine invite or whatever, then being a year older after you having done it at Kent state or whatever, no offense yeah. is, is not going to change that. I think he probably made the right call to, to take his shot now. Yeah, especially at that position, because you've already got a short shelf life anyway as a running back. And if you're going to add more miles onto those tracks when your ceiling is probably what your ceiling is. And there's probably element of he's graduated from college and he's ready to move on with his life. That, that's OK, too. If you're he's a red shirt junior, so he had another year of eligibility plus the COVID stuff. But if you're done with college and you just, you know, let's see what this is. Go to the NFL. Let's see if it works out. If not, I'll try the XFL or any of these other leagues that keep popping up. And if not, then I'll just move on with my life. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's, it's also, it, it's a good thing to remind people too, about that fact. I remember Randy Wade talking about that with Sean going back to 2020 and about, well, even when he was deciding to come back after um, opting out, that part of it was like, man, you're just like, I don't want to be in school anymore. I don't want to live on campus anymore. I'm going to go live with my girlfriend or fiance or whoever. And I don't know what Master Teague situation is with that, but it's like, you're ready to just move to the next stage of being an adult and being a person. And if it's professional football, then you have to go train for that very specifically too. So I, I, I understand why Master Teague made that decision. By the way, it's interesting that you bring up the XFL because I was, I was talking to Corey Teague. And as I was, uh, this XFL guy, who I didn't catch his name, but he's like their scouting, CJ, college scouting director. CJ Cavazos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CJ, yeah. yeah. Comes this like legend running. Cavazos, his father, just oh, for right. the, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, transparency. He comes running over, basically, and is like, uh, I don't know what these guys are telling you, but he did great out here today, and if the NFL doesn't want him, <laughs> we want him. So I think Master Teague, is going to play pro football. Um, it's just a matter of kind of the, the Ohio state question. It's like, can do, does he have what an NFL team wants on its roster? If not, it would, he be interested in going to a level like the XFL and, and 
where maybe those the talents he really does have could still translate and be effective for a team like that. And now there's there's other teams popping up too. Yeah. The new USFL, etc. There's a million leagues. Sometimes they they make it all the way, but sometimes they don't. But yeah, he's got some options here. And maybe this is a weird comment. It might just come down to where can he make more money? Are you going to make more money as like a special teams guy who gets cut at the end of you know preseason? Or do you make more money being a feature running back in like the XFL? And that might make it. I personally would probably take my shot at the NFL just because it's a more stable league. But well, yeah. I'm not Master Teague. So he's going to do what he wants to do. Well, I think very often what you'll see happen is guys will take their shot at the NFL. And when it if if and mm-hmm. when it doesn't work out. I mean, we just saw like guys from that are former Ohio State players. And Johnny Dixon got drafted by the yeah. USFL. So like guys, you sometimes go and you're on practice uh, team practice uh, squads for a couple of years, or you're know, getting camp invites from various teams for a couple of years, and then just eventually you you wind your way back to to this other level where maybe mm-hmm. you can you can hang on for a few years and, and make a living at it. Um, it. I think that's an option that is going to be there for a lot of the guys who were at Ohio State's pro day today. Um, who else do you think helped themselves today from what you saw? I mean, based on I'll let you go into depth because you, you you got a chance to talk with him and I didn't. I, I mean, Tyreek Smith had a whole what thirty minute talk with Lovey Smith. That's always a good thing when a head coach wants to have that long of a talk. I don't know if it was thirty, but it was like it was a good ten fifteen. I would a, say yeah, it was a long. It was a long talk. They were off by themselves on the bleachers. It was uh, you know Lovey Smith. There's a you know of all the guys there, that's the one guy Lovey Smith pulled off to sign probably because he knows. Yeah. Um. He's. I don't think they're. He's probably talked those receivers to death if, if he's had the chance through the combine yeah, and through true. that process. But, um, but Levy Smith also wasn't necessarily, I can't remember when he took over as head coach. I think it was before the combine, though. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I don't know if the Texans need to be going after wide receivers right now. They have enough other issues. I, I think Heard. Between, the com- the, between the combine and this, I think Tyreek Smith, a healthy Tyreek Smith, got a chance to make himself some money a little bit because the potential has always been there, right? The problem was doing it consistently, but also like your availability. And if he was fully healthy and whatever his times and numbers were today, combined with whatever he was able to do at the combine, I do think he had an opportunity to, I think he had a good day for one. Um, it's kind of hard to tell that with like defensive line drills. Cause it's a lot of just stuff they would do in practice. But I think between some of the explosion he showed today, what he did at the combine, but then also what he's been able to show on film when he's healthy, I think there's a chance that like his stock might've gone up a little bit. Not saying that, He's, he's probably a lock as a second day guy at this point. When he came over from talking to Levy Smith and um, I had been waiting to interview him and I said, is that like second nature for you now? Like you're just having these like personal conversations with guys that you probably watched for years. You're like, Oh yeah. Like this is just uh, this is just the new reality. And he said like, he didn't have his official 40 time today. He ran at the combine and I don't remember exactly what that was, but you know, he's, he's met with everybody. He's talked to everybody. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's very deep in this process. He's not going to be a, a, a first round guy. And we'll see if he sneaks into that, like second day conversation, like second, third round, um, probably, probably more like the lower end of that, I would guess. But he also said the feedback he's been getting is that he helped himself, that he's actually, that he has done, what he needs to do. And he he knows that he didn't get to put as much on film over the course of his career as some other guys did because of various things that he encountered with injury. But he also knows he came to football later. And that's something that he has been trying to 
sell people on. Um, and another fun thing for him was his uh, brother, Malik Smith, who has been a basketball player at Fisk University uh, in Nashville. So Tyreek Smith was a basketball player up until like his junior year of high school. He was not a yeah. football guy. He came very late to that sport. His older brother had never done football until this past winter. Apparently Tyreek had kind of been getting on him and he finally gave up basketball to give this a shot. He was working out today as a tight end. He was one of the guys running routes with CJ Stroud and Cardell Jones. And I don't know what's going to happen for him, but that's a guy that he's been working out with a little bit this winter, like going head to head, a couple, couple of Cleveland guys. So I thought that was worth mentioning, but Tyreek's going to, I mean, I'm sure he's interviewed well with every team he's talked to because he's, he's a really fun guy to talk to. And a, a, he's been a pleasant guy to get to know. And I'm, I'm intrigued by him because there's clearly something there. There was times this year where he was, I thought, the best player on the field when Ohio State was playing. And certainly the best player on, on, on defense. But you could argue was just like, well, maybe not. As, you wouldn't argue it against the receivers and, and against Stroud. Yeah. But certainly on defense was the best guy out there. There were definitely times when, when Ohio State's defense and the other team's offense were out there that he was the best player on the field. In stretches, in spurts. It wasn't something you could do consistently for a full year. And so then maybe the question for him is just like, is it, can he sustain it? Can he, you know, because he came to this sport late, is there more in him? Can he get to the NFL and sustain it there in a way that he couldn't at Ohio state? I don't know, but I think he's, he's going to get a good chance to showcase that. I want to switch gears for a second. Cause we're going to talk about a lot of guys who you know probably helped themselves today. Obviously Nicholas Petit Frere, one of those people, um, the, the weight problem is not an issue for him. Like no team has asked him about it. And he thinks it's because they all get it. Like his first two years here, it was a struggle for him to put on the weight to play offensive line. But once he did, he played pretty well. And between the combine and this, I think he's done a really good job of not erasing what happened in the Michigan game. Cause I'm pretty sure every team he talks to is going to ask him why did David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson have a field day with him and there Munford and the rest of the offensive line, but he's done enough quality stuff since then. That's helped ease that a little bit, but I do want to talk, is Jeremy Ruckert hurting himself and not he's hurt. So he can't do anything, but he's been set the combine to my understanding. He didn't do anything today. You texted our texters earlier today, sign up for the text. Cause you would have been had this information um, that he doesn't really plan on doing any workouts because he can't. This is a guy that we have always felt that he was underutilized at Ohio state. But if he got to the NFL, just because Ohio State doesn't use its tight ends, he might get to the NFL and end up having a better career than he had in college, just from a number standpoint. Is this injury maybe hurting his stock more than it should? Um, the, well, that's an important way to phrase it. Is the injury hurting him or is he hurting himself? I don't think mm -hmm. there's anything he can do right now. To I mean, right. if he could work out, he would work out. I don't think. I mean, he was you know he was at the Senior Bowl, came down with uh, plantar fasciitis at the Senior Bowl, wasn't able to actually play in the game there. And, you know, benched at the combine because and a lot of guys weren't benching at the combine because it was, as we talked about on the pod before, it was the same day as the, the 40. And but because he wasn't running, he could do it there because he was going to get to run at pro day. And I I could I talked to him very, very, very briefly as he was kind of just between walking between places. And I where I, he said he didn't it didn't say he didn't plan to work out for anybody else. He said he doesn't know. And obviously time's getting short. We're talking about April 28th. So we're talking about a month left. You know, when, when could he maybe work in sometimes? He did have a long conversation with a scout from the Giants today, kind of one of his, his hometown team. 
I don't think he's hurting himself. I it's possible that the injury is not allowing him to help himself. I think that's definitely true because I thought he maybe needed to come to pro day and, and show off the receiving skills a little bit because he did have a couple, and he's talked about this, that uh, a couple of uncharacteristic drops this year and just some, so you, you nitpick a career um, and it's totally unfair and there was so much more on his shoulders than there had been the previous two years. But he didn't quite have, I don't think, the the Jeremy Ruckert season that we were expecting. So I thought if he could have shown up and, and shown out in those receiver drills, that would have helped him. I think that was his plan all along, was to, uh, if he couldn't do it at the Combine, he was at least going to get to do it at Pro Day. And then now that hasn't happened. So the, he, he it was very, you could tell the disappointment in his voice when he just said, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get to, work out for teams. Um, but he also wasn't going to climb into the first round. So how much is it hurting his draft stock? The one thing you will say is opposed to Tyreek Smith, there's a ton of film on Jeremy Ruckert, you know, a yeah. guy who established himself as a mainstay and got a lot of snaps, even if it was like secondary to Luke Farrell was getting a lot of snaps as a sophomore played two more seasons after that. So, he's got as much film out there as probably any tight end in the country. And and some of it's quite good. And he checks a lot of the other boxes teams are looking for. So I, I think he could have helped himself by being able to work at pro day. Do I think it's hurting his draft stock? I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't know also what he would have done at pro day that would have knocked that, you know, knocked him up a round or two. I'm tra- I can look at the numbers here, actually, since they gave them to us. They've got him at a 47740. That's decent. It's tight end. It's- I-, I think that's all right for a tight end. Yeah. It's not like that next level, you know, uh, Aaron Hernandez, Kelsey. whatever, but yeah. yeah, but it's, 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 it's solid. I'm looking, I'll look it up on the, as we look at the combine, but just, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I just don't know that I feel like it, it undermines his, his chances. It's going to, you know, maybe worst cases, it cost him a little bit on his, his rookie contract. That that's fine. 4.7, whatever. That would have been like middle of the pack of the, of the guys who actually ran the 40 at the combine this year. The best was four, five, two, but some of the other guys, you know, like Peyton Hendershot from Indiana ran a four, eight, Jake Ferguson, Wisconsin was four, eight. So it it would have been a little bit better than um, some of the other tight ends that are probably, at his level or a little behind. Yeah, I, that's fair. I'll agree with it. I think he could have benefited more from a throwing session than CJ and Chris did just because, I mean, we know what they are. It was cool to watch, but, you know, they caught some balls. They had some overthrows. They dropped some stuff, but they're both first rounders and nothing's going to change that. I do think from a receiving standpoint for a guy who didn't get necessarily the targets, you would think a guy with that recruiting pedigree would have gotten during his career. I think it would have been an opportunity because um, they did have a tight end the other day. The guy, the kid from uh, Ohio Dominican was serving as the tight end. So in Ohio State would have probably featured Jeremy Ruckert a little bit more in this type of pro day. So I, I agree with that. If it's hurting him anywhere, it's just an opportunity for him to show, hey, I'm a really good receiver. They just never give me the chance to receive. A couple more guys we want to talk about. We're going to come back after the break and do that here on Buckeye Talk. So Doug's not here, but I feel like we've got to talk about 
Demario, the obligatory Demario, and I didn't get any of his measurables. They don't give out official numbers here. You have no. to try to like get them after the fact from the players, and that was difficult today because I don't know if they were necessarily like always given those or they were going to get them later or maybe their agent had them. I don't know. Master T, for instance, like was happy with his number but didn't want to say what it was because he wasn't sure it was official and, and stuff like that. So, um, did you get a good look at Demario during the receiving drills? I mean, yeah, they used him in the receiving drills the same way they've been using him in his career. They've been throwing him back and forth between the running back and wide receiver room, which was the interesting thing to me. He did not do any defensive back stuff today, which, I mean, he just spent the last year at defensive back. But he's, I mean, Ohio State had him listed at 5'9", 191, um, and he's not going to be a receiver at the next level. But that, that was interesting to me. You spent – he was a running back, then he was a receiver, then he was a running back, then he was a receiver, then he was a running back, then he was a cornerback. And then he didn't do any defensive back stuff today. He did all receiver stuff and running back stuff. Um, he looked fine. He caught some stuff. He did, I don't I – don't, he didn't really have draft stock, so it's kind of hard to say anything other than that. So sorry, Doug. Um, not much to say about DeMario. Yeah, Ohio State listed him on on the numbers coming in at four four five in the forty, but that's the thing. Like if you're you, that's cool. If you're that, but if you're that little, you got to be fast. You got to be sub four four, man. Yeah, at the NFL level. You probably be talking in the four twos, low four threes for that. And that's the thing. Like if, if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and players like that have three inches on you, what else? What are you really bringing to the table that there aren't a lot of other guys who do yeah. at the same speed? But um, tomorrow, another guy that like, there's a lot of pro football out there. There, there might be a fit for him somewhere. And as Doug has talked about before, a guy that seems like if he wanted to be a coach and, and go down that route, uh, there's probably a, a future in that for him. I thought you, you said you talked to Petit Frere, another guy who, uh, we'll talk about him in a second. I did talk to Thayer Munford. He, he did the bench. He only got up 22 reps there, but he said that he was, relatively happy with that because he's a longer armed guy for whatever that means, um, which I understand the physics of that, but um, they're all big guys. They all have long arms, right? Like they, they, they say like wingspan is supposed to be like a, uh, a help. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're benching, it's just, you have to go push up that much further than everybody else. Yeah, so I, no, I right. It. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. Um, but he sounded like a guy who is, is pretty happy with where things have gone. You know, he's, he's had to face a lot of questions, you know, guys, these NFL teams, uh, he, he had a rough start of it uh, more with his life, more so than with football, with football, he actually had a pretty good start. I mean, he was making an impact as a freshman and he he's done some really good things at Ohio state, but early in his life had, had, he's had to answer, you know, questions about like, you know, his background and stuff like that. And uh, guys, I, I was curious how he would respond to that because people think that's like intrusive or insulting. And instead he's like, Hey, it's, it's a business. Like these guys are investing a lot of money in us, hopefully. And so be it. Like they want to know, I'll, I'll answer any question they've got for me. And uh, just that spoke to me of just the maturity that everyone has always talked about with, with Thayer Munford and ultimately wherever he gets picked and whatever happens for him in the NFL, his is such a, a positive story because he has accomplished so much more than I think what people might have expected from his life. If you go back 10 years. It's interesting with him and Nicholas Petit Frere. It's like, they're kind of in the same position. They might get drafted around the same area. Um, well, Nicholas Petit probably higher. Cause he's a tackle and 
there as a guard, but you know, the way they got there, their stories of how they got there are very, very different. You know, Thayer Munford's kind of overachieving, I guess you can say, in terms of his football talent, maybe even his actual personal life. Well, Nicholas Petit Frere, I mean, that's a five-star kid who is now an NFL prospect. That kind of makes sense. With him, though, it doesn't seem like people have a lot of questions, at least not significant things that are like storylines. It's like the only thing that would have been a question, as I mentioned earlier, was the weight. But he's 315 now and 6'5". He looks parts, whatever. Um, I thought he had a really good day. And I thought when they pulled after the, the offensive line portion of the pro day, once you get to get pulled off in all different directions by different coaches and they have you do all these different drills, he really got to show his athleticism off. And really, I think it's not anticipation skills, but his reactionary skills, because there was one point where they were doing a drill where it was like four different bags. And he had to like react to each bag at the same time. It was as if I think they were like simulating like two or three d- different defensive linemen coming at you at the same time, or, you know, defensive linemen when they come on stunts and stuff like that, all these different ways you can simulate stuff. I thought he had a really, really good day and really helped himself a little bit because he showed off some of that five-star athleticism. And as I said earlier, he really only had one bad game as in two years as a starter. And it was against the, perceived number one pick in the NFL draft so I think you I don't know you don't excuse it because you're throwing millions of dollars at these guys but if that's the one time you have a bad game is against the number one pick in the draft I think most of these teams will probably take their chances especially once they got to see him up close and personal and see why the other what I don't know the 19 22 something like that games he was so good and especially since he's he's it as both a left tackle and a right tackle I think that's an interesting question. Um, I'm sure he's had to talk about it with every NFL team. Munford too, because he's got the clip on yeah. file of, of him being just plowed by by Hutchinson. But it, I, I don't know how teams are going to weigh that. Do you? Does the one game against Hutchinson outweigh the you know helping shut down George Karloftis, who's going to get drafted pretty high, helping shut down? Someone like Boye Mafe from Minnesota, who I think will get drafted relatively high. The, the you know the last year's Penn State edge rushers who got drafted pretty high. Like it's not like that was the only time he ever went up against NFL competition, but it was the time he went up against the best like NFL ready competition. And if it would it would be one thing if they had just like fought to a draw or if he had lost, but I think it's 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 more that like he kind of got whooped. That's going to be maybe the question. And there were other factors that played into that, you know, illness going around and who who was sick and who wasn't that week. And, um, you know, I don't know how much NFL teams would be um, sympathetic to, sympathetic to having that cold? conversation. I don't know. <laughs> well, it was more than a cold from what we've heard. But I also think yeah. it's one of those things that uh, every team has to deal with at, at some point during a year, usually some kind of adversity like that. And so be it. So th- I am very intrigued by where. NPA, Nicholas Petit Frere goes in the draft and then more to the point, like where does he go from here? Because he still seems like a guy, not so much with like Tyreek Smith necessarily because Tyreek Smith just came to the game so late, but with Nicholas Petit Frere, so much of his life has been spent. His football life has been spent as the, like, here's what's coming next. Here's what's coming next. Like here's what you see on the horizon with him. Just wait till like, look at the athleticism while he's still like half a basketball player and, um, you know, learning what he's supposed to be doing out on a football field and then waiting in the wings while he gets the weight up at Ohio state. It's always been like 
what's coming next? What's coming next? Like, is there more coming next still from Nicholas Petit Frere, having only just had now a couple years really at the college level where he got to play a lot? And it's his value is higher, obviously, if he's a left tackle. How many teams view him as a left tackle long term, and how many teams view him as a right tackle? And I'm not saying there's no value as a right tackle because we talked about it. You're better if you've got a Hall of Fame, you know, all pro level defensive end, then you're moving him around. You're not just keeping him on the blind side the entire time, but there's still going to be more value in left tackles over right tackles. And how many teams see him as one or the other? And that might decide where he ends up going. I did not get to talk to two guys who also intrigued me, uh, Haskell Garrett, who was at the combine and mm-hmm. Antoine Jackson, who was not at the combine, but I thought Antoine Jackson might've been helping himself a little bit. He kind of skedaddled. It looked like while we were waiting for the skill position guys to get done, I wanted to see if he had some more numbers because it looked like he was moving pretty good out there today. And I could see a team looking at him, you know, late in the draft, a guy who's always been a highly regarded prospect. I know that if you look at just like the pure numbers at Ohio state, that's a little bit deceiving sometimes for defensive tackles. So I don't know how much I read into that, but a guy who um, has the, has the body and now has the pedigree having done it at Ohio state now a couple of years and played a decent number of snaps these last couple of seasons. I don't know. Maybe there's a spot late in the draft for him. Who's about a draft prospect, Tim or Haskell Garrett, based off what you saw today? That's a difficult thing to say. I don't, mm-hmm. and not because I thought it was like a draw or anything. I, I just didn't get to see that much without actually saying, you know, there were guys that were trying to hand time the numbers and on the 40. And I'm like, that's, that's dangerous. Like, I don't know what accuracy really there is from that. Um, That's how you end up with Chris Olave running a four, two, four. Well, no, that, that turned out to be like a whole screw up with the electronic system, which I guess tells you that the electronic thing can be goofy too. But I, I, the, the accuracy of like trying to do it by eye, is there's a reason why they don't do that anymore. The reason why at a high school's track meet, there isn't a guy with a stopwatch standing there timing it. Um, I mean, the coaches do, but like the actual time isn't. So you have to add seconds on or tenths of a second or whatever when when you're trying to do it by hand. But it just, some of it is just like the eye test. I thought Haskell Garrett, I saw him get in like, a, there was one broad jump that he did where everybody like, he got some applause for that. Like a, he must've popped a good one off over there. So I don't know, I but I, I can't, I, I wouldn't say, I would still say Haskell Garrett's a better draft prospect just because those guys had equal opportunity to win jobs and get on the field for Ohio State and Haskell Garrett did it. I think Haskell Garrett's a better football player, but Antoine Jackson's more explosive. That's my biggest takeaway from watching them play, but then also how the day went. And as we just got done talking about with the Master T, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson situation, the better football players, sometimes more important, especially especially at this level where you're not necessarily looking for like neither one of these guys. We think is going to be a superstar interior defensive lineman. You're just looking for depth with these types of guys. And so you want the guy who's a little bit more developed as a football player. And that's Haskell Garrett. Yeah. And I think with Garrett too, Garrett has some intangibles working in his favor. Like he's he's come through some things and persevered. Yeah. And I, I think he has that motor that's important. Um, but it's just, man, the NFL is such a proving ground, man. It's like, it's either the, you get the, the guys who are pretty good, get separated from the guys who are incredible and, um, you can't just be pretty good. So 
we'll see how he fits. I, I don't know. Talk about people who have to answer hard questions. Yeah. From coaches. I mean, I'm sure that he has had to describe what he said. Like I asked him about it at the combine and he said that like, mm-hmm. he's had to, you know, um, discuss, you know, maybe I, there were other ways I could have handled that situation that night for mm-hmm. people who don't remember where he got shot in the face and told police later that he was breaking up an altercation that he just sort of happened upon. And that maybe if he had just called the authorities instead of intervening, that, that, that sometimes there's repercussions for doing the right thing. But another guy who I don't think there's any question about the maturity. It's just uh, the question always is like, are you in the, the upper 1% of this thing that you're trying to do? Like it's, you have to be so good to play at Ohio state. You have to be so good for anybody to even, you know, take it seriously that you're at pro day or at the combine and just doing those things is such an accomplishment. And then to like stick in the NFL is, 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 just it's it's a big jump it's more than a broad jump more than a 10-foot broad jump to to get to that next stage garrett wilson doesn't i'm sorry this is this has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now it does but not we're talking about defensive alignment right now but (laughs) garrett wilson does not know who his employer yet is but he's already recruiting for other people to join him with his employer just tweeted this out. Hopefully that wasn't the last time, but just in case, dot, dot, dot. It's been a pleasure, CJ Stroud. Hashtag dots. Hashtag dots? Yeah, as in whoever drafts me, you should probably be looking at CJ Stroud to join me next year. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, he, CJ Stroud was asked about that too. Like, hey, have you thought, like, what are the chances that you could ever – you know, play with these guys again. And he mentioned that like, Oh, Garrett and I were talking about that last night. I won't, I won't say what we were talking like. So I think they were talking about like, Oh, what if it was like a certain team I have seen, like, I'm trying to remember where the, where do the commanders draft? Um, I don't know. A lot's changed over the last 48 hours. Has keep changed. trading people. So Washington doesn't draft until 19. They're not getting Garrett Wilson, not be there. but they could get Chris Olave. And let me make sure that's right. That might've changed. Atlanta just traded their quarterback. So, yes. Oh, Washington, Washington drafts 11th, according to what I'm seeing here now. I may have been looking at the well, wrong thing. So, Olave would be there. I don't think Garrett well, would be there. Rather. Garrett, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because it's just in that cluster of like yeah. teams that if you can go eighth, you could probably go 11th just as easily, or, or a team wouldn't have to trade up very much to get you. But like, that's intriguing. Like the idea of like pairing Terry McLaurin and, Garrett Wilson together um, for Carson Wentz, unfortunately, but that's probably what they're thinking already. Right? Thinking like, Hey, you know, if Washington picks me, they're still going to stink. <laughs> I'm sure they're not saying that. I'm sure they're not saying that. At least not publicly. At least not publicly. We'll save for them. That will wrap up this episode of Buckeye talk. We're getting it to you kind of late on Wednesday on Thursday. It's going to be another midday early afternoon-ish pod because we are going to come at you uh steven and i again after we have defensive line interviews after practice tomorrow so we'll get a chance to talk to jt to Maloa. we'll get a chance to talk to jack sawyer we'll get a chance to talk to zach harrison we get a chance to talk to to Tyler williams. williams and for the first time as a book Will it be the first time we have? I thought we talked to him after a game one time. I thought he came in after a game. Ty Hamilton, plenty of guys to talk to. Mm-hmm. Mike Hall, maybe. 
somebody who I'm, I'm curious yeah. to see how he steps up this spring and what he could maybe be uh, this fall after a redshirt year coming in as a, you know, like kind of borderline top 50 guy. So um, I think it's gonna be an intriguing day. There's going to be some, uh, get some insight on some of those guys, get the text 614-350-3315 because we will be texting stuff kind of as we hear it, as we're walking around the Woody tomorrow from those guys for Stephen means I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye talk. <laughs>